they assemble at night, each one having prepared as diligently as possible the time given to them before the witching hour, the hour of reckoning, the time when they begin outdoor cartoon television. Stray casts is on the air. Odin, it is Wednesday night, and your son has returned home. March me down to the seven seas, and bury me with my ruby ring. It's Wednesday night, and Stray Cast Outdoor Cartoon Television starts right now. Yes! Hey. Yes! 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 I'm your yeah. I'm your I'm your host Pat Renwick, and in another wing dinger of a sham lamb dama ding dong bass factory palooza show. That's right, going on right now. Red Bull. That's what happened. That's what happened right there. Hey, uh, dude, another big one Wednesday night. This is where the stars of bass fishing come to play. Right here on Stray Cast Outdoor Cartoon Television every Wednesday night. Uh, coming up first, we have a, a prophet of the sport. And I sincerely mean that. He is a legend. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, coming up first at 710, Gary Klein. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Oh, oh, GK1. Making his second appearance. Oh, GK1. Hey, what happened to my... Uh, my cans here. Something happened with my uh, apparatus and my perpendicular. My perpendiculars. There we go. That's that's something happened there. Now we got it. There's, hey, a, uh, loose, there's a loose connection. There's a loose somewhere. goose. Uh, something happened, but now I know what is happening at 7:40. Um, a shining star of the sport of bass fishing. Um, just an absolutely amazing angler. We are honored to have him for the first time on Straight Cast. Uh, Brent Ayler. Brent Ayler coming on at 7.40. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my Lord. Brent Ayler. Um, yeah, this guy right here, I mean, he, uh, he needs uh, lots of introductions or no introductions. I need them all. He Pat. needs all kinds of stuff going on. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is my friend, Ryan Popcorn. Whitaker. Right here. Yes. Thank you. That's the popcorn. Thank you. Ryan. You I got a bag of beef jerky. You, and you smell like fried chicken. <laughs> I do. You smell like uh, Popeyes. I, I, it's still going down. It, it's it's kind of making me a little queasy. Yeah, sorry it, about it's that. It's a little bit queasy right I'm here. on a diet. All fried chicken. Yeah, um, our very own Bushman of the Kalahari, uh, our social media... Uh, extraordinaire uh, performer guy that does the social media, whatever the heck that means. Yes. Um, and, and please get your questions ready for Gary Klein and Brent Ayler and feed them to this cat right here. Ladies and gentlemen, Jay. You are you age gracefully, JP, because every Wednesday is your birthday. Yes. You, you really do. Did we see JP? Oh, we saw him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know uh, you know who my dude is? You know who my dude is? Some of you call him Red. 
<laughs> Who calls him red? <laughs> I've never called him red. Some people call him spicy. Gingy spice. Some people <laughs> call him the ninja. I just refer to him as my old pal Andrew Ellenberger. He's the producer of this show. And he's here. Wave, wave hi to the people on the, uh, on the internet. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hey, uh, Stray Cats Outdoor Cartoon Television is about to begin. Please put the power poles down because we're coming back at you live with Gary Klein. Don't you go anywhere. PH Custom Lures by Phil Hunter quickly becoming the most sought-after custom balsa baits in the industry. From the Little Hunter to the Squeaky Pea. These baits are pure quality. Handcrafted, hand-carved, and hand-painted. But most importantly, they flat-out catch fish. PH Custom Lures has a bait for any situation in a magnitude of colors. Check out the Old School, Straighter, and PH Custom Series at phcustomlures.com That's phcustomlures.com the swim jig technique is one of the most successful ways to put fish in the boat. Time in and time out, Bravani Bait swim jigs are just the right tool for the job. Beaming with quality, the Bravani swim jigs come in a myriad of colors, feature the best premium hooks and solid trailer keepers to give you, the serious bass angler, the confidence you need to accomplish your goal of putting more fish in the boat. So go to BravaniBaits.com and start climbing the ladder to swim jig success. Rageous Outdoors is quickly becoming the industry leader in tournament fishing apparel. There's no better way to represent your sponsors than with a Rageous jersey. At Rageous, you can get a short sleeve, long sleeve, sweatpants, the best prices in the industry. Rageous also offers club and team discounts, special high school and college prices. Our website is easy to navigate, and Rageous' staff will make the process quick and easy for you. Rageous Outdoors, offering high-quality tournament apparel for the weekend angler. Outfit yourself from head to toe. Check out Rageous online at www.rageous.com. Welcome back to Stray Cast Outdoor Cartoon Television. I'm your host, Pat Renwick. Uh, the time has arrived. We are super proud uh, to bring to you Bass Fishing Galaxy right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the legend, Gary Klein. Yeah. Gary looks prepared. How you doing, Gary? Hey, I'm doing just fine. Man, you, got a, you got a better set there than we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm actually sitting here in my office, so. Yeah, that, that that's outstanding, Gary. Your yeah. office is better than our set. Hey, Gary, I'm going to run a couple <laughs> things by you here before we start digging into this, okay? Okay. All right, we're going to go retrospective here. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. 43-year career. Means you started this when you were, like, um, two. You started bass fishing when you were two. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Uh, a- Angler of the Year, 89 and 93. 30 classics, 8 wins, 79 top 10s, $2-plus million. JP, how many pounds of fish has Gary caught over his bass career? 11,135 pounds. 11,135 pounds of bass, Gary. Now, yeah, we can do a little research. You know, we got this internet now. But 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 here's what I'm going to bring to you, the water warrior. Now, I want to read you an excerpt here, okay? And uh, it goes like this, and you probably uh, have a copy of this at home, and I'm, gonna, I'm digging back in your memory bank here. When do we anglers start giving back? When do we fulfill our role in the cycle of angling? 
Every time you go on the lake, you become part of a promise. Creation has gifts for you, and all her players are willing participants. There is no doubt that anglers are the masters, the ultimate predators, the water warriors. But we must give back what has been taught us. Have you heard that before, Gary? Uh, yes, I have. You know, and there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that all the anglers that I associate with, you know, that are at my level, uh, all take great pride in giving back. Yes. And, and Gary, my question to you is, in this expansive career of yours, when did you first realize that it was what you had going on and when it was time <laughs> to start giving back? I mean, you, you've been at this a long time. A lot of hungry anglers. I mean, you've been, we, we, we got uh, uh, Jordan Lee that just won the Bassmaster Classic, young guy. Jacob Wheeler making waves. Brandon Palinick, all these young guys kicking butt out here. Um, but when did you, as the water warrior realize in your career was time to start giving back well i've always felt like that i mean even from the beginning when i was real young uh that's how i learned is i was actually uh, very fortunate early in my career to be real close to d thomas and rich forehand and mike folkstad and guys that i grew up that i idolized they gave to me countless hours and days on the water and trying to share their knowledge with me so i've always been in an environment where you know what you learn if it's self-taught you try to you know add that on to somebody else's experience because you know one of the cool things about fishing is that everybody's different i mean no two anglers fish the same so no two anglers read the water the same way we don't even fish the same techniques the same way so there's a lot of learning that all of us can do together um, and I really, I really enjoyed being a part of that in my career. Yeah, and, and you're a prime example of it because, I mean, the education that you provide to so many anglers and you have provided over your career. I mean, me personally, and I don't mean this to be creepy in any way, but man, you've touched, you've touched my life, Gary. You really have. Um, your methodical approach to angling has influenced me on the water so much, as well as so many other anglers. I mean, I'm a, you're the reason that I love flipping. You really are. It's pretty awesome technique. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> but, but you say that about me, and I say that about D. Thomas. D. Thomas is the reason why I learned the technique at such a young age is because I met D. when I was 15, and I was able to experience and still continue to experience the thrill of the stock and the closeness of the prey. And when you make the right presentation, you get rewarded. It's pretty cool. Heck yeah. Now, when, when D, most people know that D. Thomas did show you this deal. And, and you as a 15-year-old out there uh, in California with D. Thomas, the first time he started showing you this flip technique, were you like, yeah, man, this is the deal. This is what I want to do. What, did that happen like instantaneously to you, or is it something that kind of soaked in? Well, no, it was something that I wanted to learn because of the effectiveness of the, the D. Thomas technique. He was winning, you know, the few tournaments that we had in California, and, and it was because of his lure presentation. So, yeah, I was really, as a young angler at 15, I was fascinated by it because most anglers back in the 70s sat down in their chair 
and cast overhand with little short rods. Where D. Thomas was sitting in the bow of a 14-foot aluminum boat with a 12-foot rod in his hand, <laughs> fishing basically close quarters, you know, real shallow fish. He and was, I was intrigued by that. He was jigger-poling and doodle-socking is what he was doing. <laughs> well, you can put whatever term you want to on it. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely using a long rod. And, uh, man, it was amazing how many fish he caught, you know, less than two feet of water. Outstanding. We hear it all the time, Gary, that, you know, I mean, in regards to this flip deal, it's so exhilarating. We're from the north. We're from the land of the ice and snow. You know, I mean, we're just right outside of Chicago. And and us as northern anglers um, growing up, it was like a... It was kind of like a light tackle thing, you know, like my, my grandpa Paul, who got me into fishing. He, you know, it was like four pound line and rooster tails, you know, and then <laughs> and then I see this guy, Gary Klein, and and you're, you're using an eight foot flip stick and you're crossing their eyes and swinging them in the boat. And, and I go out fishing with my grandpa and he's throwing a, a, a rooster tail. And here's here's me behind him with a at the time a, an arky jig. Way going way back, you know, are the are the old uh, uh, the lunker lure jig, yeah, the old lunker lure jig, and uh, and and using twenty five pound line, and he's like, you're not giving the fish a fair chance. That I'd say, I'd say, I'd say, Grandpa, I'm gonna give him a fair chance when you're taking my picture with him in the boat. That's why I'm gonna give him a fair chance. (laughs) I I mean, there's not to me, there's nothing more exhilarating than being that predator, as you described, on the bow of the boat and and, in control of your presentation and and, and ultimately trying to be in control of the fish. Well, exactly, you know, because the bottom line, when it's all said and done, the flipping technique is nothing more than an underhand presentation of an artificial lure that the angler's using around heavy cover, you know, to catch a bass. That's all it is. And, and it's to win the tug of war. You know, I got, you shared your story. I got, I, I got to share mine. I, I don't even think, when I was a kid, I lived by a smallmouth river that uh, you couldn't flip. There was nothing to flip. But when the <laughs> river would flood and get muddy, you couldn't catch fish. I mean, it was impossible to catch those smallmouth. But I would still go just so I could flip into the grass that was flooded. Like, I would just go flip Spun. into the grass. I didn't need yeah. to catch a fish. I just wanted to throw my jig into that grass like Gary Klein and Denny Brower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that addicted to it. If I'm used it's to so much fun because I'm expected to, you know, get a bite or two. Yeah, you got to get some sort of bite. Hey, exactly, exactly. Hey, it's super easy to say this, Gary. And, and, and I, it's super easy for us anglers to say we always have to keep learning or we will not evolve in the sport, right? You've heard that, right? You've said it, right? Well, yes, I have. And, and there's a lot, you know, again, like I said earlier, there's a lot of truth to that. And it's like what I always say is that as an angler, you can become as good as you allow yourselves to become. And I also say that across the country and all the, the anglers that I've met and that I know, I know a lot of really good fishermen that will never become great anglers. And it's not because they don't have the talent and the ability. It's because they lack the understanding of what it takes to elevate from a good angler to a great angler. Everybody's capable of doing it. But actually, when we compete, again, I'm talking about a competitive angler at the level that we do. It's a completely different mindset. It's a completely different approach to fishing than a weekend angler or somebody that just fishes every, you know, a couple days a month or so. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
It's because the angler chooses to put themselves in that position as long as they understand what they're really doing to themselves. Because I see a lot of guys that live the dream. I mean, they have a dream of becoming a, a bass pro. I mean, let's face it, you know, man, I'd love to fish tournaments, especially a lot of the young guys, you know, God, man, I'd love to do what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm not the type of individual that's going to ever discourage anybody because I, I followed my path to live my dream and was somewhat successful at doing that. And I want everybody else to do it too. But what I hate to see is people that mislead themselves into believing that fishing is fishing. Man, I grew up fishing, you know, down on a pond, throwing a rooster tail. You know, I can catch bass as good as anybody. But I am here to tell everybody watching that this is probably one of the most humbling sports you can ever get involved in. Because I don't care who you are, how good you think you are, or how well you think you have the fish figured out, it always changes. It changes day by day, hour by hour. Just our physical presence of being on the water changes everything. So that's also the thing that I love about the sport because it's never the same. It's constantly changing. So we as anglers have to continue to evolve and I'll just use me for example. If anybody has watched my career, you know, I I have a lot of longevity for one reason. It's because I'm a very passionate angler. I love fishing. I'm truly addicted to fishing. Yeah. And I'm just as, as excited to go fishing tomorrow as I was yesterday. I fish all the time. But, you know, having that understanding, I have to evolve too. But I'm a competitor. My environment is obviously a lot of anglers that we – we all know about the really good anglers. I'm literally in the last four or five years, I'm having to relearn how to tournament fish all over again because I'm kind of old school. I'm more of an area fisherman. I love to get in an area and spend, you know, two or three or four days in those areas. Anymore, that's real hard to do. There are exceptions, but normally now I have to move a little bit more than what I like cover a little bit more water, and use more variety of the techniques in the course of the day than what I'm used to. I'm the type of angler that I like to show up and have two rods laying on the deck, maybe a third. But now at the end of a lot of my weigh-in days, I see I'll have 12, 14 rods laying on the deck because I have to do a little bit of everything. That's because that's you major league fish now. Too. Yeah, that's because you're in major league fishing. You have to have that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's a fun gig. Too, I know. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. Now, my question to you regarding this entire evolution of an angler. Being willing to willing to continue to learn, you. I saw you do it when the drop shot technique came out. You you, you put the flip stick down for a while and you learn the drop shot technique. Has there ever been a technique that you were reluctant to try and learn, or something that you thought I just don't need this? Has there ever been that situation with you? Well, I'm pretty open minded, and, and like I said, I have a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. I have a passion for the sport. And I have a desire to learn. So I'm constantly pushing the envelope, trying, you know, lures and techniques and different rod lengths and line, always looking for what I feel is the best mousetrap. But there are some techniques and there are some lures that don't really suit my style. I don't really, I used to fish them a bunch, but now I'm kind of getting away from them a little bit. So yeah, I have strengths as an angler. Of course. And I have weaknesses as an angler too. And my weaknesses are just techniques and lures I choose really not to fish. 
Okay, <laughs> there you go. The dance and Neil. That's it. That, that sums it up. Yeah, yeah right, right there. Pretty simple. Pretty yeah, simple. I, no, no, I like. I love your approach. I love the approach. Hey, you love flipping. Let's go back to flipping here. Now, let's let's say for instance that you um, you're going to a lake that you know uh, is going to be a flip bite. You know it's going to be a flip bite, and you're you're going to put three flip sticks on the deck. What's the uh, what's the three baits you're going to have going, Gary? That you, that you'll flip with? What I mean, what are you going to have? What's your standards? Well, first of all, just by listening to you explain what I'm about to do, that there is a flip bite. I'm going to a lake, which would tell me a couple things just in the statement that you just made. Uh, time of year, which is important. Uh, the main species of fish, whether it's a smallmouth, spotted bass, or largemouth, and I think. I pretty much confirmed what you were saying. It was largemouth. By what you were telling me, I'm either fishing a uh, body of water that's in the springtime or I'm fishing a body of water that's off-color and has a lot of shallow water targets that we can see with our eyes. Sure. That is usually when the flipping technique really prevails. Now, most of us in anglers that have learned the flipping pitching technique, we use a lot of lures that are basically weedless. Lures that have a single hook, Lures that the angler can use a long rod with heavy line and present present a shallow water bait, you know, to a target, a shallow water target. There's pretty much three baits that I use if you really want to, if you want me to break it down. I do, yes. I, I've got them laid here, okay? One is a jig. And to me, the most important, there's a couple different things on a jig that's really important. But the weight of the head and the design of the head, because rate of fall means everything. To me, whether it's fast or slow, design of the head. The most important thing is that you have a smooth transition from the line to the eye around the back side of the head. That way, when you pull it through this stuff, because this bait's going to follow your line wherever you're leading it. So a jig is really, really good bait. You can put a million different trailers on it and come up with your own colors. Okay. Got you. The other bait is basically a jig. But what it is, it's a more of a weedless condensed bait where I use a bobber stopper, a, a tungsten weight, a skirt, and then just a Texas rid uh, body to hold my hook. Okay. Okay, now I'm going to explain. Normally when I'm fishing around wood, I like the jig with the lead head. But if that body of water you put me on had a lot of aquatic vegetation in it, cattails or, you know, hydrilla coontail – then I prefer to use this because it's a lot. It's very, very weedless. You don't get the moss collected around the bait. And this is also a great bait to cast and swim like you do a swim jig. Gotcha. It's very, yeah, it's very versatile. So remember, a bobber stopper, your weight, your skirt, and then just your Texas rig piece of plastic. So a punch rig kind of. You got Slither it. Slither rig. Yeah. Punch rig type. Now, normally after the spawn... Uh, more into May, June, July, hot water. I'm still old school, and that's probably one of the most basic flipping baits there is. And it's just a, a Berkeley Blue Fleck 7-inch power worm. Wow. And I thought, you know, 5,000 of that 11 pounds that I have in my career <laughs> on that particular worm. It's just a standby. I do vary the weight sizes. A lot of times I flip it on 25 with an 8-ounce sinker. And a lot of times I'll use a three-eighths or a half-ounce sinker. But besides that, the worm's the same. And the hook I prefer to use in all of my shallow water flipping is the the, the Berkeley uh, 5-aught fusion flipping hook. 
Gotcha. I mean, to me, it's just it's a really, really good hook. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Those are kind of like the the three deals that I use or variation of those deals. But here's the thing. I've often said that fish get conditioned by the environment in which they live, whether it's shallow or deep or clear gotcha. or dirty. Well, anglers also get conditioned by the type of environments they're, they're around. You know, bass fishing friends or a bass club. The difference between us and the angler or us and the fish is that we control our environment. So don't get stereotyped in believing every time you pick a flip stick up, you have to have a jig, a punch skirt, or a Texas rig piece of plastic on there to use that technique. The reason why I'm saying that is very important to think outside the box because one of the most important things for me, or one of my best techniques, I love to flip a spinnerbait. Really? Oh my God, yeah. It's one of the easiest to pitch and flip. And I... And my favorite spinnerbait is that old Vibratron. Yeah. Vibratron. Sure. Triple sound chamber on it. Yep. And it has a elongated blade because it never stops turning. That's a crazy blade on there. Oh, my God, yeah. But it works so good. Um, but anyhow, I pitch and flip a spinnerbait an awful lot. You can pitch and flip square bills, you know, short. You're just going around the target. There's a lot of other lures that you can use with the flipping technique because, like I said at the beginning, all the flipping technique is is a way – a technique that allows the angler to present an artificial lure to shallow water cover. Gotcha. So I just want guys to kind of think outside the box. I, I love a it. a lot of different ways that, you know, different things. And you're still using your standard flip stick equipment with the, with the spinner bait and the square bill. Well, exactly. Uh, I always use the same flip stick. I mean, I use an eight-foot ducket flip stick. It's a Gary Klein, Gary Klein signature rod. You know the action of rod yourself yes, sir. that I have on my hands all the time. I have a lot of flip sticks, but I only use that one flip stick for everything, whether it's braid or floral carbon or 10-pound test line. I mean, a lot of times I've had some pretty awesome uh, trips flipping light line. I mean, like 10-pound test braid really? with a shot. You know, I mean, really finessing fish. So, again, the rod length gives me the, the leverage to control the fish once it's hooked around the boat and through the cover, but it also gives me the leverage to present a lure to shallow water targets. And of course now BASS just uh, raised their rod length from eight feet to 10 feet. (laughs) What a lot of of viewers don't understand that uh, a few years ago, I won two back-to-back FLW events out of Memphis, Tennessee. I remember. Mississippi River. But what a lot of people miss is I was flipping with a 10-foot flip stick. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it, it, my, I had my 10-footers because at that time, and still even today, uh, FLW has, has no rod restrictions. So I got to use my old my old 10-foot rods. Again, it was an advantage for me because I was using a rod that had a little bit more length. And the fish that I was catching were sitting on the bottom at the base of the trees at about 13 to 14 feet of water. So it was I got a really good positive hook set on the fish. Yes. Nice. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Is that a two-piece, ten-foot rod? <laughs> <laughs> well, believe it or not, yeah, I, I just uh, I did have a lower section to it that slid oh, yeah. up. Yeah. The so old... it did collapse down to eight. You get it in the rod locker. And, and I remember that one from the first Mississippi River event you won. It was a, that ten-footer with that black handle. It had that black exactly. foam handle. I mean, I could see it and I could see it clear as day right there. Yeah, I still have it. I still have it. <laughs> nice. I have a couple of them. Hey, uh, JP, do we have any questions on the uh, Facebook Live for Gary Klein? 
Yeah, we got we got a, he covered a bunch of them, but <laughs> of we course he did. <laughs> Gary, your fans got some questions for you. Yeah, David Let's wants to, David wants to know when flipping and pitching. Are you snelling that hook? Are you? Uh, no, I have never tied a snell knot. Um, I, I just have never had the need to tie a snell knot. But again, I will say this: if something that you're doing works for you, then why change? It's when it fails you that you should figure out why it's study it, figure out why it fails you, correct it, and never have to worry about it again. I have never had the need to snail. Uh, I have tried it in the past, but it really, to me, added no value. Yeah, I'm with Personal you. I'm with you there. I'm with you. What else going on, JP? And we got a viewer wondering if if MFL would ever open up a pro am event. MLF. <laughs> Well, let me just say that Major League Fishing is alive and well. Yes. Major League Fishing has been so well received across you know, the country, obviously. In just a short five years, we've become the number one ranked show. But the most important thing for me is that my vision is much grander than where we are today. What I'm trying to do with Major League Fishing, for those that don't probably have never heard or, or whatever, is that I'm actually the one that – created the format and the rules and you know boy duckett and i are the two uh, along with our team at outdoor channel and now major league fishing that have helped build this and steer it forward um our vision is much grander and what i really want to do is create a sport out of bass fishing something i don't think has ever been done before and it's just like football you play on a hundred yard field whether you're high school or nfl and also i want major league fishing to be the new norm and the way it's played across the country. And, yeah, we, uh, we're coming uh, here in the very near future where it's going to – we have a lot of things that are coming. Let me just say we're continued to grow, branch out. Yeah, I would like to see a really awesome feeder system to where I get everybody in the country playing major league fishing. Yes. Oh, yes. We Please, love it. Yeah. Please soon. Yeah, I want to do it so bad. I mean, uh, as as <laughs> as boring as my life is, I look. I might look like an exciting guy, Gary, but no, uh, I'll tell you, no. <laughs> your but, life is not boring. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but every Saturday night. I got that major league fishing DVR, and that's what I'm watching, man. I'm out fishing during the day, but but I when I come home, man, it's MLF all the way, dude, all the way. I honestly yeah, have not been. Not, I mean, I watch every episode multiple times for several different reasons. But one of the really cool things for me as a competitor, having you know some of the guys that I compete against, I've never had an opportunity to fish with. Um, but major league fishing gives me a way to where I can study and learn. Uh, look at Jeff Creek. Yeah. I mean, squirrel, squirrels, we call <laughs> Kevin Van Dam. I mean, to be able to watch and observe, it helps me develop an understanding of how they catch fish. And maybe I can take a little bit of that and add it to my fishing. So I, I really spend a lot of time watching the programs. And then of course I look at the program again, uh, from an outside look or a 30,000 foot view and ask myself the question, how can we improve? How can we make it better for the viewer? I, I have uh, a suggestion, Gary. I'm well, always, I, I'm always, always have my ears open. Please make Chris Lane wear um, underwear that pull up higher <laughs> because I don't want to see his plumber's butt uh, on these episodes. I, I have to fast forward that part when Chris Lane's on because believe of that. It or not, believe it or not, we we have that under control. Good. I need a sensor bar or something going on there. <laughs> what I really love about it is you get to see 
the angler's personality for sure, and how, and how that affects their fishing, like how yeah. they use that in the ways. It's it's incredible. Yeah, you get to see people melt down. Which is, <laughs> he sure did. It's oh, sad did, to watch, have, but it's I mean, awesome to watch too. By amping it up and you know taking our competition, putting it into three two and a half hour periods with a 30-minute break and then throw the real-time leaderboard in there and then throw in the fact that they've had no knowledge, no practice, no research. They had no idea where they were going to compete until we took them to the launch ramp that morning. And then they get their hat, they get their map and they say, basically, now they have to advance to the next round, which is going to be on another different body yeah. of water. So we're constantly pushing the guys. Again, we're doing that for the viewer. So now the viewer gets to experience what you just what you were talking about. The anglers that melt down, the anglers that take and accept the challenge and step up, because there's a lot of different personalities at play, and there's a lot of different scenarios that come into play too during a competition. It's the Gary, purest form, Gary. There's one thing that that Pat and I have been confused about. Yeah, and watching, and maybe you can help us on this. What does dad gum mean? <laughs> what is what? Dad gum. Dad gum. Yeah, it seems like that's what a, does com- that mean? a common phrase amongst MLF <laughs> anglers. Well, dad gum is a really good phrase compared to what it could be. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, we'll leave it there. We'll, we'll keep it that way. Hey, um, Gary, have you ever played a game show before? Have you ever been on a game show? No, I have not. Well, you're about to be on a game show, Gary Klein. Are you ready? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't get to study for it. No, you got to put your thinking cap on right now, okay? okay. And this is it, called the it, Bassin it, Match Game, okay? It's all. It, it's it, this is the Bassin Match Game, and I am going to give you phrases here that relate to past tournaments that you have either won or finished well in, okay? This okay. is this is going to take you through a little Gary Klein history. This is and the, what, what are you asking for me? From I, me? I'm asking you to to, to name to the name. tournament that I am referring to. Okay. Okay. Yeah, are you ready to play? Ah, yes. It's time to play the bass and match game. I'm your host, Pat Renwick. Today, bass fishing legend Gary Klein joins us. Gary, the first tournament association is decaying matter. Decaying matter. What tournament would that be, Gary? Decaying matter. Decaying matter. Is that like floating debris? That could be floating <laughs> debris. Yeah, yeah. What what tournament did you I win have, fishing? I have no idea. That I was seminal, idea. man. You found him in that decaying matter. Uh, yes, I did. You won uh, the derby. I think it's also a heavy two, metal band. Yeah, yes, sir. That was like one of the first times I ever seen anybody punching with that with that tungsten. And you probably still have that one ounce weight somewhere. I uh, you, you, well, you know, there was. Uh, I actually had three of those weights with me, <laughs> and I actually the story behind that. I actually got that weight from Timmy Horton. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're crazy. And now he's using your flip exactly. stick. Yeah, okay. I'll go for that. Yeah. See, hey, I said floating debris. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're, we're with you. We're mind melding, Gary. We're mind melding. He gets half a point on that one. The next one is running the shoots. Running the shoots. Oh, that was, without a doubt, that was the second FLW uh, when I was running the shoot, getting up to Lake Tunica. Yeah, was it? So on the Mississippi River. The 2000 FLW tour. That's right. Yeah. Backwater balsa. Backwater balsa. Backwater what? Backwater balsa. Balsa wood. Backwater balsa. Man, I have no idea. Balsa wood. 
Where were you throwing a balsa bait in the backwater with that crazy little tail on it that you didn't want nobody to see? Well, I mean, I caught a really big bag of fish a couple of, uh, um, at the at the uh, open up in uh, Muskogee on the Arkansas River. I weighed the biggest bag in the tournament. That that's true. Also, Wood Squareville. Yep, but we also saw you going in that backwater in Dardanelle and uh, and throwing that uh, that that custom balsa bait with the little skirt on it that you don't like to talk about at all. Well, I call that Mr. Wiggles. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> kind of dear to my heart. But, but again, though, that bait right there was the result of me asking myself, how can I do something a little bit different with a bait that I have a lot of confidence in? So I just experimented. I started trying some different things, and actually I put a blade you know, and it didn't really do very much, but that skirt gave it the pivot point. So now the pivot yeah. point with that skirt, it's really amplified. But here's the other thing that it did that I really didn't expect it to do is it actually made the bait run shallower. So now I can take the bigger bait, put a skirt on it, throw it with heavy line, and the bait's not going to try to get, it won't get as deep. I so, gotcha. How do, you, how do you make that bait? What do you do? What's the trick, Gary? Come on, give it away. Uh, just take the... You know, I, I've got a little hook combination that I like to use on all my square bills, especially, uh, you know, my Berkeley, my new Berkeley uh, uh, square bills that I have with them. I use a number three round belly on the round bend on the belly, and I use a number two EWG on the tail. That's been the best hook combination that I've ever found for fishing a square bill. Now, I'm usually always fishing on 15, 17, or 20. Um and that's what I like. I mean, that just works for me. But I, I've learned how to fish those bases like spinnerbait. They're very weedless. I can crawl them through the logs and, you know, the timber without getting stuck up. That comes with practice. And remember earlier I was talking about that separation between a good fisherman and, you know, elevating and not having an understanding of what it takes to get there. It would really impress or surprise a lot of people how much time we spend as anglers, this group of guys that I compete against, actually practicing. I mean, we do a lot of work, but we are, we're pretty committed. I say really committed, and we practice, 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 practice all the time. So we're never satisfied. We're always trying to find the best this, the best that, how to improve things. Um, you know, that, that's how a lot of these really cool techniques are invented and created that you know passed down to the other anglers i got but you still didn't answer my question how do you put that little that little skirt on the back <laughs> you're not giving it away uh, gear you're doing this on purpose okay well simply what you would do is just take the treble hook off the split ring okay and i use a number two ewg treble hook gotcha. i like to use the number two or the two inch the old original rubber flat rubber skirt like it's on the back of an H and H. Yep, yes sir. Old skirt. Yep. And slide that on the shank of the treble hook. Ah. So you know, don't reverse the skirt, just put it on there so the eye comes out the top. Yes. Looks you know it's flat. And then just put that back onto the split ring. And you're ready and to go. You're you're ready yeah, to go. Tying the skirt, I'm just running the, the shank of the hook up through the center of the skirt and then putting it back on split ring. Now if you want to really custom it a little bit like I do. I do. I've always felt that red is important on bait, so I take a little bit of that red tubing and I cut it. So simply what I do, if you really take a look at the baits, you would see my treble hook, that two-inch skirt is being inserted over the top of the treble hook, and then there's always a little bit of a gap between the top of the skirt and the split ring, and then I have a little piece of red tubing that fits in that. So now I've got on the pivot point, 
I have a little bit of red. And to me, that's just something that, you know, yes. I have confidence in. Now we got it. That I, is the I, to the team. I love it. I love it. Thank Mr. You. Wiggler. Mr. Wiggler. That's it. We're gonna we're gonna tear yeah, it up Mr. on that, Ryan. Mr. Yeah, I'm gonna Wiggles try that. Is what I had to call, Mr. Wiggles. Hey, yeah. Gary, we're we're running real short on time. We got your buddy Brent Ayler coming up next. But hey, will you tell me a fishing story before you go, Gary? Tell me a fishing story that you don't tell too often, please. Let's, well, I mean, you know, let's light the I, campfire. Really, I mean, you know, I don't know what you mean by fishing story. I mean, I've had so many, you know, pretty cool experiences on the body of water and. You know, I always tell people that, you know, I'm as excited to fish tomorrow as I was yesterday. And, you know, the only recent fishing experience I have was last week we were fishing the BASS Elite on Toledo Bend. And, you know, the first thing in the morning, right out of the bat, you're ready to fish. And I run to the first little area and about my 10th cast, I catch a four and a half pounder. And I tried to get it in the boat a little bit quick because I wanted to throw out and make another cast and literally lost it as I was trying to get my finger in its mouth. And that fish right there ended up to come back and haunt me. I missed making the cut by 12 ounces. So oh, yeah. it's kind of a recent fishing story. Um, you know, That's and there's a, a bunch fishing of nightmare. <laughs> Isn't it amazing, Gary, how, how we as anglers can, can literally remember just about every fish catch of our career. It's all in here somewhere. It's, but oh, Pat, I have some fish that I still have nightmares. I mean, even now to this day, and it happened 20 years ago. I mean, I've competed in three Bassmasters class or 30 Bassmasters classics, and out of those 30, I've had three won. I mean, three legitimate wins, and I've had little hiccups that cost me the victory. Now, in 2003, when Mike Iaconelli beat me uh, out of New Orleans, that was not one of those three. Mike Iaconelli beat me fair and square. I fished 100%. Every bite I boated, he beat me fair and square, but I had a couple other little hiccups. And even at night, I still can visually see a four and a half pounder up on top of a mat. My my hook came out of its mouth and it just laying there and it finally goes back through and I miss winning the classic by a pound and four ounces. Oh, Gary. And I only weighed three fish that day. So, you know, just little things like that. But again, if you really stop and think about it, that's the cool thing about fishing. It really means something. And, and yeah, those those images are just ingrained. They're up here, and they'll be there forever until the day I die. They're there. Hey, Gary, real quick, tell me what your first full-time job was. <laughs> uh, I've never had one. There it is. That is why you are the greatest. <laughs> that is no doubt about anywhere. it. I know, uh, of, this, of this lifetime, for 15 sure. 15 years old, he hanging out with the professional bass fisherman. With, he, is the, he is the prophet of bass fishing, no doubt. Yeah. Hey, Gary, 43 years at this. Is the Bassmaster Classic victory still a goal of yours in your career? Yeah. Oh, w- without a doubt. I mean, that's something, uh, The yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. I mean, what can you say? You know, the most important thing is that you have to be in the game to win it. I'm in the game. Uh, I still feel that I'm competing at a very high level. I've never thought about quitting. And, yeah, I've got a lot of work to do, but I'm, I'm up for the challenge. And when you do win, you just drop the mic on the stage at the Bassmaster <laughs> Classic. You say, Gary Klein, peace out. Buddy, if I win, when I win the classic, I'll drop the mic and you and I are go party. Yeah, buddy, we got it right there. <laughs> Gary, thank you so much, man, for coming on again. I always had a great time with you all the way back to the Bass Buzz Radio days, now to this evolution of this crazy bass fishing talk show that we do, man. I thank you so much for being an inspiration in my life, man. Well, I sure appreciate it, and it was a pleasure for me to be part of the program. Thank you. Oh, Gary, take care. Thanks, we'll, Gary. we'll be in touch, man.
That'll work. Thanks, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Klein, right from his Gary Klein uh, compound there in Weatherford, Texas. Hey, put the power poles down. Uh, when we get back, we got another deep thinker coming up. Brett Height. Or Brett Height. Who's Brett? What am I saying? Brent Ayler. Brent Ayler. <laughs> what the heck just happened? Brent Ayler's coming up next week. Maybe we'll get They're Brent both Hyde. West Coast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brent Ayler. Sorry. Coming up next right here on Straight Cast Outdoor Cartoon Television. I'm Pat Remick. Don't you go nowhere. Hello, everybody. I'm Bill Dance. No, just kidding. This is Pat. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to StrayCast on iTunes and leave a review. Tell us what you think. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. Peace!